Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. Welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. I am. I say a different name literally every episode. Some episodes I'm Christiana, some episodes I'm KJ, but today <laughs> I'm feeling like I'm going to be KJ Reed. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And I'm Taylor Thomas. And I'm Jessica Miller. And today we're talking about, you know, some cool parenting stuff. Like mm-hmm. positive discipline. Did we coin that term? Is that a term that's been coined? <laughs> For sure. We didn't steal it on purpose, but we probably are stealing it. So I don't know about you guys, but today I have had one H-E double hockey sticks of a mom day. If you know what I mean. I'm not sure. That's hard to spell that out. <laughs> <laughs> And it's been rough. My kids have been all over me and I've been behind. And of course, their behavior is, you know, you know, just on those days when they can, they sense that you're vulnerable. You know, they like wake up and it's like they perk up their little heads and they sniff around and they're like, we can smell it. She's vulnerable. Attack. And exactly. (laughs) They attack. So it's been one of those days. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm extremely excited to learn about parenting and positive discipline because kids need to be disciplined. And if we can do it in a positive way, then everybody comes out on top. So Jessica, enlighten me. I need to be enlightened. (laughs) Taylor, I got your back. Don't you work, girl? (laughs) Good, good. (laughs) Okay, guys. Yeah. So we're talking about positive discipline today, which is a huge shift from what you, you usually think of as discipline. So our general idea of discipline is go to your room and don't come out until you're calm or go stand in the corner for five minutes since you're five years old, that kind of a thing. But this is a whole new approach to it where we're really working on bringing in those attachment skills that we've discussed and bringing in those emotional awareness skills and those communication skills and putting them all together into a nice, neat little formula that you can use to parent your children. Ooh. So we're going to make it easy for you. But like neat you are, it is going to be. Yeah, exactly. It's like we're going back to school and we're going to give you some formulas. But really, we're going to make it easy for you. But it's also going to be hard because you are going to be combining a lot of different styles and things into your parenting. But you're going to find that it pays off. I was going to say buku bucks, but it's going to pay off big in the in the end. You guys are going to love it. I prefer it, right? buku. Yeah, same. <laughs> buku bucks. <laughs> okay, so we're going to introduce this concept to you guys. It's going to be kind of foundational for those parenting skills that we're going to be talking about. And this is called the window of tolerance. So it's the long, intense title is polyvagal zones of arousal, which is really great. Sounds right. really intense. Let's go. And with honestly, it. 
the science is really intense. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to bring it down for you guys because it's all about basically our nervous system and how it's reacting to things. But we're going to put it in terms of what does it look like in behaviors and words and feelings. We each have three general zones, a red zone, a green zone, and a blue zone. I bet you can guess what the feelings are that correspond with the zones, right? So the red zone is when we are hyper aroused. So our body has a lot going on and we're feeling tense. We're feeling agitated. These are typically associated with anxiety and anger. So if you have a really anxious, tense kid or a kid who jumps to anger really quickly, you're going to be wanting to look for that red zone and those red zone behaviors. Next, we have our green zone, which is our optimal zone of arousal which is we can handle whatever is thrown at us in life. So it doesn't mean we're not getting angry, but like we talked about in the emotional awareness one, when we get angry, we're using our words, we're not having an intense reaction and pushing it onto other people. We're having this kind of give and take with our environment. We can interact with others. We can connect. It's a really beautiful place to be in. We love being in our green zone. And if you look at your kid and you're like, they are so happy and content right now, they're in their green zone. It's really awesome. And you'll watch like they'll be happy and content and something will kind of bother them and they handle it and they come back down and you're like, ooh, I just love that. Mm-hmm. But that's not what always happens, right? So Mm-mm. our third zone <laughs> is the blue zone, which is, as you can guess, when we're feeling blue. So we're feeling low. We're feeling like we want to be isolated. We want to withdraw. And it's generally associated with feelings like sadness, depression, loneliness, that kind of a thing. So we have these three zones, our red zone, our green zone, and our blue zone. And we come in and out of these zones throughout the day. It's pretty normal to say, oh, I'm feeling pretty good. And then kind of have something flip us into our red zone. We kind of freak out for a minute. And then hopefully we calm down, we use some coping skills, and we come back to our green zone. But what you'll see with kids is that they do not have those coping skills yet to be able to come back down into their green zone. And that's your job as a parent is to help them cope. You regulate your child's emotions with them. You and your child are co-regulating together is the idea. Because a child, we cannot expect them, we should not expect them to be able to regulate on their own yet until they're much older. Even like 10 to 12, we're really still there coaching them through things. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, By the time they're on their own and they're out in the world, we do expect that if something bad happens, they can handle it and they know what to do Mm -hmm. because we've hopefully taught them along the way, right? Yeah. So these kids will flip into their red zone or their blue zone. What happens is it's their brain literally becomes disconnected. We have two parts to our brain and we're going to call them the upstairs brain and the downstairs brain. And what happens when we flip into our red zone or our blue zone is that those brains disconnect from each other. And what happens is our downstairs brain becomes our primary source of thought processes. The problem with this is our downstairs brain is primarily focused on food, water, shelter, pleasure, pain. It's that fight, fight, or freeze reptilian brain. And so it's not going to make the best decisions for your child. And it's really going to cause a lot of problems when they view you disciplining them as a threat to their life. And so they then fight. And so what happens is that downstairs brain becomes disconnected from the upstairs brain and they can no longer learn new things. 
they can no longer connect with you as a person. They're just connecting with you as someone who is threatening and scary. And so you're not actually getting through to them. And so all of your parenting techniques, when kids' brains are offline, are going to be useless. Mm. And this is what you see when your child is flipped out. That We call it flipping their lid. That's when the upstairs brain and the downstairs brain disconnect from each other. And this idea comes from Dan Siegel, who is a great neuroscientist. So our kids flip their lid. That downstairs brain becomes a primary thinking. And they make irrational, crazy choices and will have massive, huge tantrums. And you're over there like, take five deep breaths. And the child is like, (laughs) I will never take a deep breath again in my life. You know, and they're yelling and screaming because that's what kids say. And you're like, oh, my gosh. And really what happens is you, as long as you're parenting in that state, Your child is not going to hear you. They're not going to understand you and they're not going to change their behavior. Your goal in parenting 100% of the time should be to bring your child back to the green zone where their downstairs brain and their upstairs brain can then connect and communicate with each other because then your child can listen, they can learn and they can change their behavior to be more appropriate. And Nine out of 10 times, once you bring your child back to the green zone, if they're actually in the green zone, they're just going to automatically make a better choice. Because if I'm not freaking out, yelling, screaming anymore, and I've calmed down and I've taken some breaths and I, you know, can be rationalized with, you're going to be like, okay, so now we don't hit our sister. They're like, yeah, we don't hit our sister. Okay. (laughs) And then they can go off and play. And so, so as a so as a parent, when you're in that place, like when they're having when they their lid is flipped and they're going crazy, I'm I'm literally just having an image of what happened on Sunday. It's happened since mm-hmm. Sunday, but the big one on Sunday is we're sitting with Boone at church. Logan was at church with me at the time, which is always a plus. And Scout's coloring, and Boone wants the pink crayon, right? Or no, no I'm mm-hmm. sorry, he wanted yeah, he wanted the crayon that Scout had. And we were like, oh, Scout's using that crayon. Here's a whole bag of crayons. Take one. And then he Mm -hmm. loses his flipping mind. He just like Mm -hmm. takes the bag and he throws it up into the air. And 30 crayons are just sprinkling everywhere. And then he slaps the back of the head of this woman in front of us. You know, sorry about that. And then he just starts flipping out. And Logan and I are like doing that parenting thing where we're looking at each other. We're like, what do we do? Get him out of here. Get him out of here. You know, like a poor mission and so then logan just like carries him off so i get my question for you is when the lid is flipped and when the red mist is like over their eyes and everything how do you (laughs) like bring them down or do you just wait that's a great question so what we do are called down regulating activities oh yes this sounds great such a fancy word, right? But the idea is if they're hyper aroused, we want to bring them back down to the green zone. If they're hypo aroused, like they, I always say they lay like a slug on the floor, they flop over and they're like, I'm not doing anything. Then you want to use upregulating activities. So a couple of quick examples would be he's yelling, screaming, throwing the crayons. We take five breaths. That's a downregulating activity. Mm -hmm. We can do yoga. We can run around until we're tired and then lay down in the grass. We can Mm -hmm. 
um, be removed from the situation and then just like sit and cry until we have our emotions out. Things like that. That's exactly what he did. Right. We took him out in the foyer and he cried until he was done. Like that's just like what he had to do. And he just needed to move through that Mm -hmm. emotion. And Logan, that whole time he's crying, dad, dad. I'm guessing Logan was just sitting there holding him saying, it's okay, calm down. You're fine. Because Boone at that time was not there for a lecture. Right. And Logan's not like, Boone, this is why you couldn't have the crayon. See, I told you, you couldn't have the crayon. (laughs) Because that really is not going to do anything when Boone is there crying Mm -hmm. and just totally flipped out. So you do those down-regulating activities to bring them up from that blue zone, you do things like, let's get you dancing. Let's make you laugh. Let's get you around other people. Let's go have you hang out with friends, that kind of a thing. Because that's going to be bringing them up to that green zone, which is a lot better. Okay. Most kids will tend towards one or the other. And so you'll see like, oh, my kid consistently jumps to the red zone or my kid consistently jumps to the blue zone. And so you can kind of start to hone in on parenting techniques for that zone once yeah. you know, like, I think oh, we're, if, if she's I think in we've trouble, got, she like, Yeah, I think we've got two red zoners over here. Two right. miniature red zoners. Yeah. <laughs> and that I think that's pretty typical for kids. Most of them will go to the red zone. Okay. Teenagers will way more often go to the blue zone. Okay. I just want to and they'll isolate. I just want to lay here. I just want to be with my Netflix. And the music that talks to my soul. With my snacks. With my (laughs) snacks. Don't forget the snacks. snacks. Yes. Yes. Lots of snacks. Okay. That makes sense. I love snacks though. That does bring up a good point. The snacks reminded me that keeping them in their green zone is also a matter of caring for those physical needs. Like we've talked about with your emotions. So making sure that those physical needs are being met so that they can more readily stay in that green zone and keep that upstairs and downstairs brain connected. Mm -hmm. So really the idea of this is we're changing parenting from consequences and punitive discipline to teaching them how to regulate their emotions so that they can make better choices on their own. Mm -hmm. And you're teaching them really the values of right and wrong versus you hit your sister, so you need to be isolated in another room. Mm-hmm. It's you hit your sister. Can you understand how you're feeling and how that was not an appropriate response to your feeling and look at how your sister's feeling and then change your behavior. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit more involved, but you're going to be reaping the benefits of parenting this way for the rest of your child's life versus, Hey, you're going to go to jail if you steal. So don't steal. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to teach you that by putting you in timeout. Well, the kid goes to timeout and I don't know about you guys, but I have memories of being in timeout sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Going up to my room and sobbing on my bed. And the only thought that was going through my mind was I hate my parents. They are so unfair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was not thinking, you know what? I really shouldn't have done that. You're right. That was a poor choice on my part and I'm going to change, you know, but I can remember other times my mom yelling at me and my sister, like, just work it out kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at her and being like, I know that the right thing 
is to just forgive her and move on. <laughs> and I would like have this internal wrestle. And then I'd be like, it's okay. You can have it. And I would let her have it. And then I would move on. And mm-hmm. that is what you want your kids to be doing. You don't want them to just, well, I learned how to not steal because my parents kept shutting me in my room and it really worked eventually, you know? Yeah. You want them to be like, oh, I understand that stealing is an inappropriate behavior and it's not my stuff and yeah. la yeah. yeah. Or your kid just learns to be really sneaky so they never get caught. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because they sneaky, want to avoid sneaky. the punishment, not because... They yeah. care about the behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that like with like isolating and putting kids in a different space, like when you're parenting, you think like, oh yeah, we need to like separate them, give them time to calm down. But it's also as a parent, and this might just be me, but mm-hmm. it's also as a parent because you don't really know what to do. You know, something has yeah. happened and, and you're thinking they need to calm down, go over there and do it because a lot of the times we don't understand how to help them calm down. So you're just kind of hoping that they're going to just go and figure it out and do it. But with this knowledge, it's, Oh, if I keep them with me, I can do these things and be a part of that and be a support Mm -hmm. for that. So instead of isolating them and feeling powerless, like you don't know what to do as a parent, you can keep them with you and with these skills, then you can help them and support them and be an active member in that process. Yeah. So let's talk about the actual skills to help you guys parent your kids. KJ is going to go over what's called the ACT model of limit setting. And we all three first learned it in our play therapy class in graduate school. And then I've used it every day in my work because I do play therapy every day in my work. And so I use it all the time. But KJ uses it with her teenagers and Taylor's using it with her kids. So Boom. KJ's Boom. going to teach us how to do it. <laughs> ACT, no longer a standardized test. Yeah, yes. forget that test. Yeah. This is ACT for parents. Mm. It'll actually mm-hmm. be worthwhile in your life. I think the A stands for acknowledge the feeling. So this is basically letting your child know that you know what they're feeling because that helps them just feel like they're heard and that you understand what's going on for them. And it helps them address their feelings too. And it can help them calm down faster. We could go back to Taylor's example Mm. where Boone freaked out about the crayon and he's really angry. He smacks that lady in the head. (laughs) You know, something Taylor could say, Probably if she wasn't in the middle of like a church. Um, yeah. So let's pretend she wasn't at church. <laughs> yeah. That would be better. Yeah. He does so he, just does it he does yeah. it at home. Yeah. 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 Um, Taylor yeah. could this, say. This is not just at church, you guys. This happens all the time. <laughs> Taylor could say something like, I know that you're angry and want to hit me. And that just helps Boone understand like, oh, mom gets me. She gets Mm -hmm. it and it helps them maybe identify for themselves like, oh, yeah, I am. I am angry right now. It's twofold. I mean, it's helping our kids be more emotionally aware, but it's also very calming to them to feel like we get it. They're validated. Yeah. Yeah. When I watch being validated. Yeah. When I watch this, I've watched this with both of my kids. There's this this transitional period where they're learning how to talk 
you know, and they're trying to communicate with you and they're kind of not that good at it, right? Like they're stumbling their words. They're trying to pronounce things. It's just a stage, but it's very frustrating to them. And so I've noticed a ton of the time Boone will run around the house and he'll say, something, something, something. And I'm like, what is it? And he won't stop saying it until I correctly say what it is and say it to him. And he's like, oh, yes. And then he can move on. So this A makes a lot of sense to me when I'm thinking about my kids because Boone feels like that all the time. All he ever wants to do is be understood. Like that's what he wants. And so with any of these kids, if they're having these big emotions and they're very confused by them themselves, for us to sit down, they're, you know, positive uh, caregiver that they have an attachment to. If we sit down in front of them and say, hey, you're feeling this, aren't you? And they're like, oh, yes. And then they can move on to the next part of it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Then that leads us to C, which stands for communicating the limit. Basically, this is the step where you're teaching them that it's okay for them to have feelings, but it's not okay for them to be destructive or inappropriate as a result of having those feelings. It's important at this part of it to use positive language. So if we're always saying no or you can't do that, the kid's just eventually going to block that out. The whole phrase that Taylor could say to Boone, if we combine A and C, would be, I know that you're angry and want to hit me, but I am not for hitting. So the I am not for hitting part, you know, puts it in a more positive tone instead of saying, you can't hit me. No, don't hit me. Because then the kid will just block out the no and just say, and just hear the word hitting. Like they'll just Mm -hmm. block that out. It's kind of like when you're at Target or any other store, because I guess I shop at other places too sometimes, but, and you're using the card reader and then it says like, it says, don't remove card. And then all you see is remove card and then you pull it out and then the person gets mad at you and they have to like do it all over again. So you have to start over. Yeah. (laughs) So we do it too. We block out the don't and all we say is remove card. So some more examples of that positive language is things like the walls are not for drawing on or sisters are not for hitting, things like that, just so you guys kind of get more of an idea of what we mean by that positive language. So you're going to take the behavior that you don't want and then flip it into more of like a general statement about it rather than the no, stop this. It takes a lot of practice, so good luck. Yeah, and the language seems a little off at first when you're like, I am not for mm-hmm. hitting because our entire lives are like, yes. don't hit me. Stop hitting me, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But it's it feels a little weird. But then as you get into the rhythm of it, it will become more natural. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and when you talk like that to your kid, it's helping the kid focus on their action instead of just the feeling. Because for the kids, the behavior is easier for them to change than their feeling is. So Mm -hmm. then we move on to the third step and we offer them other ways to behave because that's the part that we want to change. So T stands for target acceptable alternatives. Basically, if you just tell a kid no, then they can be left feeling frustrated. Um, And they're trying to deal with, you know, whatever myriad of emotions is going on for them. And they need to learn how to handle that safely. So if we offer other ways that they can express themselves that are acceptable to us, 
then they end up feeling like they have a say in the matter. It's mm-hmm. like a weird, subtle way of manipulating <laughs> our kids in a positive way. But, I don't know if you can ever say manipulate yeah. and positive in the same sentence, but you can say manipulate for a parent. But when you say that your five-year-old is manipulating you, they cannot do that yet. Yeah, they're not <laughs> but capable as parents, of that. We can definitely manipulate them. Right. And feel right. free to do that in a positive way. <laughs> Get them where you want them to go. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're helping the child feel like they have the ability to make their own choice when really we're getting them to choose what we want them to choose. So in Taylor's example you know, Boone is angry and he's wanting to hit, uh, she could say, you can choose to hit the pillow, but I'm not for hitting. So giving him like an alternative choice that gets him away from the behavior that you don't want him to have. So let's kind of go through an example of what this looks like, just so you guys can get a better idea of it. So if I'm in the playroom, I often have to set limits with kids because in the playroom, they get to be in charge which means that they're going to do a lot of things that I don't want them to be doing. And I try to only set limits occasionally, but when I do, I make sure they're very clear and very structured. So let's give you an example. One of the rules in the playroom is that we have sand and we have water and the sand and the water are not to be mixed because it takes us too long to clean them up. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Every parent is like, oh my gosh, sand and water in your playroom? That sounds like a disaster. (laughs) And it really can be. So that's why we set rules around it, right? So let's pretend I have a kid, and this happens all the time. So I have a kid who has a cup of water. Let's say they have a cup of sand because that's even worse, right? They have a cup of sand and they're about to pour it into the water. They are literally in the action of pouring. And what I do is even if they're about to do it, I need to acknowledge, but I do it really fast. I can see you really want to pour that sand in the water, but our water and our sand are not for mixing. You can choose to pour that sand back into the sandbox or to pour it into another cup. Which would you like to do? And then the kid looks at me. And He's like, like his hand like, shaking midair, but yeah, I want to like do it so right? bad. And they've already probably at this point poured a little bit of sand into the water before I could stop them. And that's where like, if you're at your own home, you can grab their hand and be like, I can see that you really want to do this and you can stop them before. If they're about to color on the wall, you don't have to like let them color on the wall and then be like, I can see that you want to color on the wall. (laughs) (laughs) But in play therapy, I kind of have to let some things go. It's just how it is. But that kid then can say, oh, I okay, I'll pour it back. And nine times out of 10, my kids will pour it and they will choose one of those acceptable alternatives. Occasionally, you will get a kid who looks at you and then pours the sand into the water. With unwavering eye contact. Yes, and they're just like, (laughs) I am not following your directions. And that's when you say, okay, I see that you chose to pour the sand into the water, and so you're going to choose not to play with the sand in the water for the next 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. that kind of a thing. Because that's the important thing to realize is that not every time does the kid respond, but a lot of times they will. And you'll be like, oh, great, they're fine. And I can mm-hmm. move on. 
But occasionally that kid is going to be like, I'm doing it anyway. And that's when you intervene as a parent, you take the marker away and you say, the marker is going to take a break. We're going to take a break from the markers and we're going to go do something else. And occasionally you might find that you need a time out or a time in at that time. And we're going to talk about those, when to use them and when not to use them in our next episode, because there's just so much parenting stuff to teach mm. you guys. We can't call in one episode. Another really quick, really cute example comes from my sister. She just told me this the other day because obviously I teach her all these skills. And my niece is still very young, but she loves to lick things. And it's just like so funny <laughs> because the things she likes to lick are like dirty things, <laughs> like <laughs> like, the, like cement, you know? Yeah, yum. So yes. she's out there like a little puppy dog, like da, 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 da. it's so <laughs> precious. I love it. And so my sister was like, so I took her to the park and she was licking the slide and the slide was kind of dirty. I didn't want her. So I said, you can choose to lick the slide, but if you choose to lick the slide, then you're going to choose to be done playing for today. And Mm. so she licks the slide, (laughs) looks at her and my sister says, you chose to be done playing for today. And then she literally just like walks off and walks home. Because she knew that she was done playing. Because my sister had set those limits so often, she knew that like my sister would follow through. And so she was like, okay, I licked it. So I guess it's time to go now. Mm-hmm. Which you're not going to get that very often from kids because they're going to be like, oh, but I want to so bad. Or now that you're enforcing the choice, I'm so mad. But mm-hmm. sometimes once you've set this in place, the kid really will respond with like, okay, fine, mom, I'll do it. Yeah. When I think it's important what you just said about your sister and you said her daughter knew that she was going to follow through. And I think that is the key as a parent because I'm just like every other parent every once in a while in like a fit of craziness when they're being crazy. I'll be like, don't do that or else we're not going to Disneyland next week. And you're like, wait, what? I really want to go to Disneyland. Why would I say that? You know, (laughs) and then the kids like. I'm doing it. And then you end up going to Disneyland, you know? So it's kind of like you have to choose things that you can follow through on. And then you have to follow through because that's the only way that your kid is going to understand those limits and know that they are real and that they are serious. But it's Mm -hmm. so hard as a parent sometimes because sometimes you're really tired, like all the time, you know, I don't think I've stopped being tired for like the past almost four years, you know, but like Jessica said, if you just keep going, it'll make you less tired in the future. Right. What a message of hope. I know. I know. Exactly. And remember consistency, not perfection. Perfection. Oh yeah. Over and over again. Right. If you're at home and you're finding that this isn't working that well, or your child isn't responding to those choices, some of the things that you can kind of tweak are the A and the T. So the first, you really want to acknowledge fully what that child is feeling. Because if you're not acknowledging how angry they are or how bad they want that pink crayon from Scout, Mm -hmm. they don't feel like you're hearing them. And then when you go to target a different behavior, they're like, but you don't understand how much I want the pink crayon, right? (laughs) But if Taylor is really like, Boone, I can see that you want that pink crayon and you really need to color little Bo Peep's hair pink, Mm -hmm. but we can wait just a minute 
because grands are not for throwing and sisters are not for hitting and strangers in church are not for hitting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Then you do that. Then the second thing you want to do is really dig into really good alternative behaviors. Because Mm -hmm. if you give kids two really good choices of behaviors to choose from, they're going to choose one of them because they'll be like, yeah, it's not as fun as drawing on the wall, but I am willing to draw on a piece of paper instead. Mm-hmm. But if your thing is you can stop drawing on the wall or you can be done coloring, they're going to be like, I'm going to keep coloring on the wall and I don't care what you say. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wait till you take this crayon away because at least I get a moment of pleasure, you know? <laughs> it's so true. So it's really, that crazy haste where all of a sudden yeah. there's like a million miles a minute. They're like, yeah, yeah before no. you can stop <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so really digging into those alternative behaviors and getting really good at identifying different behaviors. And that's just a skill that you'll develop as you use this model this limit setting model over and over and over again in the playroom. I can whip them out like immediately now because I just have practiced for four to five years. And so it's really easy, but at the beginning you're going to be like, you can choose to (laughs) use a purple crayon or you can choose to come and sit over here by me and read a book. And you're like, yeah, that's good. And then just reiterate it a little bit faster. Like, okay, you can choose a purple crayon or you can choose to come and read a book with me. And then you're like, those are good alternatives. But it's going to take you a while at the beginning. And it's okay to be slow. And it's okay to do it wrong. But just keep trying because it really is a skill that you can learn. And that language is going to come so naturally to you after several weeks or a month of doing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you start with them young... You'll be, you'll just be an expert at this by the time they're teenagers, when mm-hmm. it's going to be a whole new level of chaos. Oh, you'll yeah. just be a master yeah. at this. So, start now. Yeah, and if you have teenagers already, start doing it now because this really clicks in with that teenage logic. Like they really mm-hmm. do like having choices, and they can see if you're rep- like giving them fair choices your teen is going to be willing to choose one of those. I really like the C in it as well, just the setting limits, because it it just makes so much sense as I watch my kids and then as we work with teens that they really do like limits. And I know that that sounds weird because you're like, what kid or teenager wants to be told what they can or cannot do? They hate that. But really, it's that structure and those limits that make them feel safe and secure. And especially in today's world where our teens are going out and they're trying to figure out the entire world all by themselves, they feel like sometimes. It's nice to know that they have limits and that they have security and safety because that's something that can can bring them close to you. And I know that for me, all I want to do is be close and connected to my kids. That's the thing that's the most important. And so this whole model is something where you can give them limits, you can understand them and be close to them through discipline, which seems like it doesn't make sense, but it works perfectly in this model. One more way that you can troubleshoot is combining the idea of that window of tolerance with the ACT model, right? So Mm -hmm. if your child has flipped their lid and you are trying to acknowledge and communicate and target alternatives, but they are out of their mind screaming it's not going to matter how great your alternatives are. 
they can't hear you and they can't change their behavior. So your first goal is to, again, downregulate them, bring them close, help them calm down, come to their green zone. And like I said, if a kid is in their green zone, they're going to choose one of those acceptable alternatives Mm -hmm. nine times Mm -hmm. out of 10. And so remember that if it's like, oh my gosh, I can never get them to follow what I say with this, it's probably because they're flipping their lid so often that they can't actually connect with what you're trying to parent them. Mm-hmm. And so bring them down first or bring them up from that blue zone first and then do this ACT model and you're going to find great success. So that would be in the church example, Logan taking Boone out, letting him cry until he needed, he let it all out. And then Logan, before going back in, says, Mm-hmm. I know you wanted the pink grand scout was using it, but, and people are not for hitting. So when we go back in, you can choose to use the other crayons or you can choose to do something different. Mm-hmm. And then it should be Boone comes back in and can do it just fine. Cause he's calm and he understands what his options are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this kind of reminds me of our, what was it? Our um, first episode on attachment and kids, because when the kid is in their red zone and you're trying to get them down to their green zone, sometimes you can feel kind of helpless in those situations because you don't know how to help them. Like with Boone, sometimes it's just crying and everything, but it, it brings me back to episode one. So if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it now because this will make more sense. And going back to that place and then bringing them close if they'll allow you to. So especially with my kids, when they're really escalated emotionally and they're in that red zone, I mean, unless they're fighting us, it's it really does help us to just bring them close, give them that contact, feed that and that attachment connection, let them know that they are with somebody that's bigger, stronger, and wiser than them, and that will help them. And that usually allows our kids to bring it down and bring it slowly sometimes, but get into their green zone. So I think this yeah. also connects to that magic of attachment. If you guys want a little bit of extra homework, here's a fun assignment. I do this in therapy with all of my really dysregulated kiddos Um, draw a big red box, a big green box and a green, big blue box and draw some faces that correspond with that. And then draw some activities that correspond with that. If you have a teenager, you can write out what are behaviors and activities they can do. And then when they are triggered to one of those zones, you guys can refer to your chart and they can choose what they want to do. So that's they're like writing down extra. activities of things they can to do get them to out get of that them zone. out of red and out of blue and into green. Exactly. And green, just like so. things they can do to stay there. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Yep. So red might say, um, punch a pillow and then take deep breaths. The blue might say, uh, go get a hug from mom and snuggle up with a blanket. And then that green zone is going to say, go play with your friends. Mm-hmm. That kind of a thing. Create the chart and then practice the the language with the ACT model. So practice those lines, the A, the C, and the T. And then give us feedback. And like, if you guys have questions, comment on our Instagram or email us because we are pretty good at this. <laughs> We'll try and come up with ideas with you and we'll mm-hmm. kind of brainstorm together. So feel free to reach out, post it like a comment on the Instagram and we'll kind of get a thread going of ideas for you. 
All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Join us next week. We're going to continue our conversation about positive discipline. So we'll learn about time ins, time outs, all the good things, I'm sure. Thanks for tuning in. See ya. Catch you on the flippity flip. See ya. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search ThoughtsPod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Vrijic from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us. Bloopers. Bloopers. A couple nights ago. So I had a weird run in with half an earwig in my salad. Mm. And a one, and a two, and a three. All right. Welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, I can't. No? Too much? <laughs>